Hey everyone, it's Jeff from Modern Combat Survival Magazine, and this week's podcast episode is a bit longer than usual, which is a good thing for you, because it's loaded with some great tips for tackling one of the most misunderstood and undertrained aspects of tactical firearms defense. And I'm talking about shooting on the move. Now, our guest this week is a new addition to our MCS Expert Network, and I'm really looking forward to getting him back on the show. You'll see exactly why when you listen in on the great advice he gives this week. So, let's go ahead and jump right into our interview now. If bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging, would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. The square gun range. When it comes to creating realistic combat shooting conditions, it's about as effective at preparing you for the real thing as riding a bike prepares you for driving an Abrams tank. Now, the way most gun owners choose to put in their range time, standing at the end of a lane, pumping bullets into a paper target, never moving or even training the draw and presentation from the holster, is the exact opposite of what you should be doing to survive a real attack by a violent criminal intent on killing you. Now, the truth is is that real gunfights are dynamic. And unlike the static, relaxed environment of your typical gun range, everything will be moving. Your attacker, people around you, vehicles, and hopefully you as well. You see, as those who have lived through armed combat, either on the battlefield or on urban streets, will tell you, in a real life-or-death shooting scenario, standing still could get you killed. But if this is what you can expect in a real gunfight, then why do most people fail to train for shooting on the move? Maybe it's because they aren't yet convinced that it's necessary, or they simply don't know the secrets you're about to discover right here, right now. Hey everyone, it's Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat Survival Magazine with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And my guest today is combat shooting expert and instructor, Omari Broussard. Omari, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks a lot, Jeff. It's good to be here. It's a great day. Yeah, it's a, it's a great day for some tactical tips, and I've really been look, looking forward to this. We've been trying to hook up this interview for a while, so I finally got you here, and we've, we've got some really great stuff lined up. Now, listen, everybody, if you're not familiar with Omari's training, he's currently serving as an active-duty armed professional, and he has over 20 years of tactical experience and was a founding member of the Navy's HVBSS Team 1. Now, that's the Helleborn Visit board search and seizure team in 2008 for example he conducted multiple counter narcotics anti-piracy operations off the horn of africa he's trained sailors in maritime security firearms and tactics and he has a martial arts background with it includes everything from jeet kundo concepts to brazilian jiu-jitsu wrestling and krav maga in addition he's an experienced military range safety officer and helicopter rope suspension techniques master not to mention a certified spear system instructor spear tactical combatives instructor and personal defense readiness coach now on top of all of that He's a certified combat-focused shooting instructor, an advanced pistol handling instructor, and a CrossFit Level 1 trainer. And 
that that's a dizzying uh, resume for me right there. So I'm glad I got through it all. Now listen, for more information on Omari and his training, make sure that you check out his website online at www.10xdefense.com. Now, Omari, when it comes to engaging an attacker with a firearm, we all know that only hits count. And even under the best conditions where your attacker is right there in front of you, he's a good distance away, and you have time to get your feet planted and take up a good sight picture, adrenaline is going to screw around with your accuracy right then and there. And and getting that, that same tight shot group that you get center mass, like down at the range, is going to be extremely difficult. Now, all of that becomes exponentially more difficult if you're moving at the same time as engaging that target. So knowing that, why is learning to shoot on the move so critical if it's not as accurate? Well, there's, you know, this, this shooting on the move is what, what I found. Let me say this, what I've found over the years as it's evolved, right? So, when I first started training and learning probably about, you know, over a decade ago, you know, we were in the military, we were active learning how to shoot while moving. Um, as I have matured in the, in the training industry, doing more research, um, what I've learned and, and what I found out and what I teach now is slightly different. There is a time for when you need to be actively moving and shooting, um, of course, the optimal time, the optimal movement occurs upon recognition of the threat. So what I mean is, for example, if you the threat's right in front of you, you're at that plausible distance, 9 to 12 feet, it's very important for you, for you to move off the line of attack, get to a planted shooting position, and do the shooting. So while you're presenting the firearm, you're moving at least one body width to the left or right. That is optimal. That's what we want to do. Um, the other way that we would deal with shooting and moving is what we call in our program shooting in motion, right? So shooting in motion occurs against a contact threat with a knife or stick. So distance plays a big part here. Right. Obviously, if you're at a distance where you're within, let's say, one arm's reach, it would make more sense instead of going for your firearm to control, to clear the clear the weapon, control it, and then counterattack because you're close enough to get hands on the person. If you're, let's say, beyond two arms' reach, where you have enough time and space to get off the X while presenting, plant and shoot, then that's good. But there's a gray area. There's an area where you're not close enough to deal with the threat hands-on and you're not far enough away in order to, you know, get to a good shooting position, get off the line of attack, get to a good shooting position and shoot. So at that moment is where I encourage, you know, shooting while in motion, hmm. right? So without being on the range, it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but I think the audience will be able to follow me. If I'm not close enough to get hands on and stop the attack, and the reason why I say that is because we want to avoid a bad tie, right? A bad mm -hmm. tie is a contact threat is coming towards you. You decide to draw your firearm, and at the point that you get your firearm in a position to shoot and affect the target, your your threat is in a position and to 
cause harm to you. Does that make sense, Jeff? Yeah, and and yeah. you know we often look at that, but that's such a dynamic distance even from that standpoint. And we often talk about like the tooler drill, right? Like everybody's been drilled with, you know, tw- it's 21 feet, it's 21 feet, it's 21 feet. You know, we've we've run on range tests, you know, force on force stuff where yeah. 60 feet out sometimes. You know, somebody can get to you before you can ever get your your weapon on and stuff. So it's a real like changing zone there. Yes. So at that point, what we're looking at, that's where shooting in motion comes in. And that's where, um, for the most part, that's where I would encourage the moving while you're shooting to come into play. Now, the trick is, (laughs) as you're doing it, you're moving away from the target. And here's where it gets tricky, because one one of the hardest things that I have to teach that that I teach people on the range is actually to move like a human, right? Mm-hmm. So people get guns in their hands and they think they have to, you know, move a certain way. Well, just think like a human moves. So when in, in this situation where we're dealing with a contact threat at the point where I encourage people to, to move and shoot, um, you're turning your hips away while your torso with your arm extended is facing the target. And you're moving away from the target as fast as you can. Once again, we're trying to avoid the bad tie. Uh, once the shooting is done, then you're, you have the, the opportunity to stop, assess the situation, and continue on to what you're going to do next. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Now, let's look at the other. It's also important to look at the other options, right? There's, uh, you know, it's being taught where you, um, how shooting and moving is normally taught is you're walking forward or backwards or sideways while you're shooting. Well, as you as you uh, said earlier, when you're in a dynamic critical incident, when you're in that, you know, that the highest state of alertness, the, the highest state of fear, someone's shooting back at you, that what normally happens is when that's being trained, People are walking and trying to develop a rhythm with the shooting. So it's always too slow. Mm-hmm. It's never fast enough, right? Because yeah. we got to look at when we're moving and shooting, there's two things we have to look at. It's effect on our safety. How much safer are we going to be because we're moving and our effect, our effect on our balance of speed and precision? How accurate, how combat accurate we're going to be while we're moving and shooting. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. So yeah. we have to be aware of these things. So the way shooting and moving is normally taught, we never see it in the real world because the real world moves faster, right? Now, right. the other option is to sprint and shoot. Well, if we look at that effect on our safety, right, sprinting is going to make us safer, right? We're harder to hit, but our shooting just goes out the window. Yeah, uh, I don't know even the highest level shooters, and I know some pretty high level shooters, they can literally sprint and shoot like bullets go everywhere, right? <laughs> so that's not smart. So then we go back to our optimal option, which is get off the line of attack, which is where it may be while you're drawing your firearm, you may be running the cover. But once that firearm is in a position to shoot, you get the shooting done, mm-hmm. right? And then assess the situation and move on, right? So those are kind of the the other options we have. So looking at it sensibly, right, with practically, um, I try to be pragmatic in my training, shooting in motion versus a contact threat makes perfect sense because I, I, I lose if I get a bad tie. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, there's this whole range of it. There's the, the extremes, and then those are those are sometimes easy decision points. Like the person's really far away from you, the, the moving is the easy part, right? Like get the hell out of dodge, yep. and you're you know you're going to be a very hard target if you if they have a contact weapon. Hopefully they're not that. They, hopefully they can't run faster than you can. You can get somewhere before them, but but if they have a uh, a firearm, you're going to be pretty hard to hit. I mean, I've you know people know how hard it is that actually go to the range. So, mm-hmm. but if you're really close, so many people are really like so focused on the firearm that they're trying to get to their firearm while the other person is pummeling them. Yes. And then there's that in between is what you're saying that that's your optimal like okay you have time to draw get off the X and this is where you know you're going to move and you but they're close enough where and and if you judge your speed enough you that shooting in motion is is a viable option in there. Yes, because you're actually running away. Right. Um. And and you know you brought up a good point and I see this. You know, and even in real-world videos, you know, as, as an instructor, I try to, you know, always look at what's going, what happens in the real world, right? So yeah. what we find is people are stuck on the gun when they need to be dealing with the problem, right? Yeah. Um, and, and even because of the training model, because of the way we train firearms, when it's, when it's time to move, right, when it's time to do that shooting in motion versus a contact threat, then that's where it all goes out the window, right, because they have no other recourse. So they, they because they're not trained in shooting in motion mm-hmm. and they haven't been exposed to it, then they improvise. The improvisation is to draw the gun, run, and then shoot as I'm running, right? Yeah. And there was a, a video I just watched recently. Uh, actually, you might have heard about it when the cop was ambushed by the guy he shot at the vehicle 13 times. And um, you see him run up to the vehicle while the cop's shooting in the vehicle. I can't remember where it was. Um, But the guy runs up to the vehicle. He runs up. He shoots 13 shots. And he's not even moving a lot, but he's moving. Well, only three shots hit the officer. Mm. Right? So that just shows how, you know, the difference between, you know, planting and shooting and getting good combat accurate hits and being, you know, on the move and shooting. Yeah. Right? So for us as as protecting ourselves, right, we have to be aware that if we're shooting and moving, chances are we're going to miss. Yeah. Right? Now, if we're shooting in motion with a contact threat coming towards us, right, because that contact threat is a threat because they're moving towards us, with a contact weapon, mm-hmm. as we're running away, drawing out and shoot, remember hips turned away, torso, arm driving towards the threat, looking at the threat, then we're pretty much, you know, if you saw a visual, I'll, I'll send you a link to a video that um, Rob Pink is my mentor friend. Uh, he did a great video on shooting in motion where he actually shows and explains the dynamics of it and the mechanics of it. So I'll make sure that I get you that link and you can put it in the notes so people can actually see what I'm talking about. Okay. All right. Well, you know, as as I'm envisioning this and, and, and you know, we talk about the different, you know, the, all those dynamics, one of those dynamics is the environment. Because I think we have seen some of those, you know, those videos where people are doing like, you know, the Israeli walk towards somebody, you know, it's a very methodical, yes. you know, structure. But again, that's taking part, it's taking place in a, 
in a range. It's, it's still a static environment. There's, yeah. um, you know, you don't really necessarily have all the adrenaline going, everything. You got your nice shades on, you got your tactical mm-hmm. pants on. Mm-hmm. But when we look at the, the reality of where you will probably be having to defend your life, one of the biggest challenges I can see where you're shooting on the move is the threat of the environment that you're in when you're attacked. And, and it could be in a parking lot. It could be other people that are around you. It could even be in your own home, like with furniture and things like that. And with that tunnel vision syndrome that comes with the adrenaline spike, it's, it's very possible that you could trip over some sort of an obstacle if you're trying to run and gun it, you know, like a curb or, or like a cement parking space divider or something like that. So, what tips do you have that will help someone be more aware of that space around them during a gunfight to avoid losing their balance when while shooting on the move? Well, we can always go back to, you know, a couple things. You can always see what's in front of you. You can never see what's behind you until you look, right? So I'm a big advocate of not moving back, not walking backwards, not moving backwards unless you're not – you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So that's that's you know it, for the most part, and and on the range at uh, when we do our courses, we actually do drills where uh, we do one drill called the wind wind sprint drill, where we have different lines on the range where people have to run to, and once they get to that point, based on the command that I call, and they never know which command I'm going to call, so it's very dynamic. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things I have to teach them is to turn around and move to that next point. So if you're going to move, then you have to be aware that I need to be, if I can't see where I'm going, then I can't move that far. Mm. Right? So that's, that's one thing. Uh, Going back to the first, never move backwards. The third thing is I find that people get, there's, there's something that happens with firearms as people start moving and bumping into things. So at my training, depending on how many people I have in the line, as we're working on our lateral movement while presenting, right, uh, always tell people if you bump into somebody, then just go back to the safety rules, right? <laughs> um, because you will bump into things in the real world. The world is a crowded space. So another tip is maintain control of your firearm as much as possible, right? Mm -hmm. Go back to step one, which is keep your finger off the trigger until you're ready to shoot. And if you do bump into something, then you have to have something after that, right? So it goes back to training. So in our advanced pistol handling course, we teach people to shoot from different positions. So kneeling, seated, um, lying on your back, lying on your stomach, lying on your side, 360 degree presentation because there may be a point where I'm in the gunfight, I trip and fall, right? The threat doesn't go away because I trip and fall. So I need to know how to shoot from whatever position I end up in. That's a, that's a great point because all else fails. Yeah. I mean, no matter how, how much precaution you take, you still can wind up on your ass. And then you, you know, some people probably try to get up, but you might not mean that attacker can close that distance usually very quickly, and your best your best option may be to fight from where you are. Well, that's the main point. Yeah. You know, whether you're standing, you're seated, that, that the point is, and I think we miss this in, in the firearms training world, right? Everything yeah. is, every video, every article you see, most times, 90% of the time, you see people standing square. Well, 
if the environment's not like that, right? Because normally it's not. Um, it, it's there's there's points where, like, especially with these ambush attacks on police officers, most of the police officers are seated in in the driver's seat, right? Yeah. Um, you look at active shooter situations or mass murder shooter situations, people are seated. You know, the movie theater, people were seated, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. we're starting to see where in the real world it's dictating that people train a certain way, right? So now what we want to look at is can you shoot from wherever you are, right? Yeah. Wherever you end up. It's not just wherever you are, it's where you could end up, right? So it's two different things. One yeah. is I'm in a restaurant, I'm seated, right? I may telegraph my intentions by jumping out of my chair and drawing my firearm, right? If I decide to, you know, shoot the bad guy in that situation, well, that puts me on, on the, that puts me on the, on the tail end, right? I lose the element of surprise. Mm -hmm. Now let's look at the other one. I'm up, um, shooting situations going down. And for some odd reason, because I'm scared, I end up moving backwards and I trip on a chair, right? Well, if I trip on a chair and now I end up on my back, I need to know how to shoot from my back because getting up doesn't make me safer. Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, listen, everyone, we've been talking with Amari Broussard of 10xdefense.com about how to shoot on the move in a real gunfight. And as you can see, we, we have a lot of stuff that we've already covered, but we even have a lot more coming up with just a bit, including combat coordination, how to juggle multiple engagement factors when all your skills need to come together all at the same time in order to survive. Accuracy on the move. Is it a myth or the mark of a gunfight guru that anyone can develop? Plus, do-it-yourself at-home gun training tricks that will help you master the critical life-or-death skills of shooting on the move. All that and a lot more coming up, but first, check out this special message. What if everything you knew about how to stop a violent attacker with your gun was wrong? Discover the advanced tactics you must know now to protect yourself and those you love with a firearm. Check out our free book, Stopping Power Secrets. Inside, you'll find such no-hold-barred shockers as 1. The three most common myths and misinformation shoveled out by movies and gun-range know-it-alls that could get you killed in a real-life gunfight. 2. The cold, hard truth about your personal weapon's ability to be a one-shot man-stopper. 3. What coroners know about selecting the right ammo for your firearm that you don't. 4. And the simple training trick used by Abrams tank crews and commercial airline pilots that will prepare you for a real attack even better than your best day at the range don't place your family's safety in the hands of hollywood fairy tales and hearsay claim your free copy of stopping power secrets now now at www.stoppingpowersecrets.com and now back to the show Okay, we're back with Amari Broussard of 10xdefense.com, talking about ways that you can prepare for the dynamics of a real gunfight by learning how to shoot on the move in order to get to cover fast and yet still engage your attacker effectively. So let's go ahead and jump back in now. Now, Amari, obviously there are a lot of survivability factors in the chaotic dynamic of a real gunfight. So let's talk about coordinating all of these moves at the same time. Now, an ambush attack all takes place in a matter of like split seconds, right? Like they're going to have the the element of surprise typically, like they're not as stupid as we think they are. Right. And 
that's not a lot of time to pull back your shirt, draw your weapon, present your firearm, and pull the trigger. And a lot of people have a hard time hitting the 10 ring of a target, even when they're standing perfectly still. Mm-hmm. So how do the factors change when you're trying to do all of that while also getting off the X, getting out of the line of fire, getting a line of fire on your attacker? I mean, what are some tactical strategies that will help someone coordinate all of these factors in a way that puts your weapon into action as quickly as possible? Okay, so all that starts on the range, right? Um, big fan of, of training these certain things live fire uh, because recoil management does change change the dynamics of things. But it goes back to the basics, right? Get Having a good grip on the firearm, right? Um, ensuring that when you're working on your presentation, right? When, when I do presentation from the holster on the range, we actually do it step by step, right? So ensuring that as the gun comes out of the holster, so your presentation has to be smooth. Once you get your presentation down, Right, so you have your fundamentals, uh, which includes a good grip, full extension, right, because that's going to help, especially in dynamic situations. Getting by full extension, I mean extending the gun in in parallel with the line of sight and engaging the shoulder. So you're, if if you're able to lock out your elbows, then that's good. If you're not, then you want to get as full as extension as you want, um, ensuring that you have a 360 degree grip on the gun. Uh, those two things are going to help tremendously in regardless of what situations you find yourself in. Mm-hmm. Um, then we got to work on presentation, ensuring that that presentation is as smooth as possible. If you're a uh, concealed carry, um, you know, you got you to gotta work on clearing that garment, right, and different garments because clearing a jacket is different than clearing a T-shirt. If you're wearing a shirt and a jacket, right, you can, you can kind of follow me on that. Um, and then... As we uh, get past the presentation, now we want to start integrating lateral movement. So at step one, you just want to work on as you're presenting, moving one at least one body width to the left or right, and then once that gun is in a position to shoot, which means you're fully extended, then you take your shots, right? That process, as you get smoother in that process, then that'll help later on when things get crazy. Right now, here's the tip in a dynamic situation. When we look at there's a threat, we recognize that it's a threat, and now we're going to get our, you know, go get our gun. You need to move until you're in a position to shoot. Now, what that means is if your shirt gets caught up, if you know something crazy happens, you're still moving, Mm -hmm. right? Whether it's to cover or you know moving off the line of attack in a way so that once you do get your gun out, it's um, the the bad guy hasn't been, you know, he you give yourself some time. Does that make sense? That's really interesting because I, I think, you know, if somebody gets to the point where they're fumbling, right, like they're moving and then they're trying to draw at the same time yep. and it's not working. So there's like – there's like this decision process, right? Like it's like, hmm, you know, again, being gun focused, it's like I can't I can't get my gun out while I'm moving, so I'm going to stop and get my gun out and then start moving again versus, well, you know, and that one seems to make you a target, especially if there was a reason why you were moving and somebody was close enough to get to you right. as opposed to, look – 
just keep moving and you can either get to a place where you're in a better spot to be able to get your gun or maybe you get it out along but but the dynamic of keeping keep on moving to make sure that you're not a target while you're going to you know trying to seems like a there's a big difference in the outcome of potentially of of those decisions absolutely right so if if my gun is out and i intend to use it or i'm getting my gun out i'm moving until the gun gets in a position to shoot but i'm also moving if i have to reload if i get a malfunction these are not times to be standing still, mm-hmm. right? These right. are times to be getting the cover, um, you know, making some stuff happen. But standing still, it doesn't make you any safer. Yeah. Right. At, at this point, in this in this context, um, so from a from a a training and, and practice standpoint, it's really you know going back to the fundamentals and. You know, now I want to apply those fundamentals while I, you know, with moving being a part of that, right? Whether before or after. Yeah. Yeah. Crawl, then walk, then run. Literally. Yeah. (laughs) That makes sense, right? We we like to say, in in, uh, combat focusing, we like to say run, run faster, and then run until you (laughs) can't fall. Because running is is one thing, right? Um, We rarely do any walking, right? We like to keep it running because it is, it's a dynamic space. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. All right. Well, this, this does bring me up to the topic of accuracy. Um, Mm -hmm. and I've seen classes where students train to like really shoot at a a very minute target on, or like a, like the eye box on a target. And, you know, oftentimes that's at a, at a certain distance away, or, you know, try to get accuracy down as much as possible. But again, we're talking about real static environments. And in a real life self-defense scenario with both you and the target moving, you're probably going to be lucky just to be able to get a single round into that man-sized area at true combat distances. And we've, we've, we've talked about this, you know, how that accuracy and speed those dynamics and how they interchange, the more speed you add to it, the less accurate you're going to be. Mm-hmm. So what are some tricks that you teach like in your, like maybe in 10X defense or, or your training programs that will help someone be more accurate while shooting in motion or in the dynamics where, where we have all that movement in the gunfight? Yeah. So um, we like to use a term called combat accuracy, right? So combat accuracy is defined as any shot that significantly affects the target's ability to present a lethal threat. That's our definition, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, it happens on a continuum. Now, on one end, combat accuracy could be I see the threat, I draw my gun, get off the line of attack, and for some odd reason, out of panic, I shoot early and the round goes into the ground, but the bad guy runs away, mm-hmm. right? We term that as a combat accurate hit. We significantly affected the target's ability to hurt us because that's our goal, right? Right. He runs away. That's on one end. On the other end of the spectrum, if the threat has taken me down and is driving a knife, trying to drive a knife into my throat, and the tip of the blade is on my neck, now me shooting the ground is not going to help me at all, right? I have to shoot the threat in a place where they're going to stop, most likely in the brain, correct? Right. So that's the two extremes. So what we say in, in um, for realistically combat accuracy in the realistic world is occurs with multiple shots to the area that signif- that's, that's most likely to cause significant damage, which is the high center chest. So if you can imagine 
or torso we're talking about from clavicle to sternum in between the nipples, right? We can say multiple shots to that area would significantly affect the target's ability to present a lethal threat. Agreed? Right. So now what we're looking at is what what I find in, in what I'm training people is that it's almost like giving people the red pill versus the blue pill, right? Blue pill being, okay, I'm going to sit you at the seven-yard line and you're going to try to get a dime size you know, a, a dime-sized group, right? The red pill is I want you to shoot as fast as you can while keeping the rounds in the span, right, in the space of the high center chest, right? Right. So the other part of that, we have to look at the balance of speed and precision, right? So balance, speed, and precision is another important concept that we teach. And basically the balance, speed, and precision basically states that the speed component is we want to shoot as fast as we can while remaining combat accurate, right? The mm-hmm. precision component is combat accuracy. More importantly, the, tar- the target dictates our need for precision, right? So what that means is if there's a target where the only shot that I have is, let's say, the head, Right, that's going to take more time, more effort, and more precision versus shooting the torso, and less movement. It seems if we're and talking less about less movement, right? Yeah. But that may be the shot I have to take, so I have to be aware of that. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, let's look at plausible distance, nine to twelve feet. You know, let's see, fifteen feet maybe. Um, I'm able to get the full extension. I'm able to move off the line of attack and drive out. Then I just want to shoot as fast as I can while staying in my combat accurate area, which is the high center chest. And that's 360 degrees, right? So it's the people tend to think, and you see this, I've, I've watched dash, dashboard or uh, dashboard cam, right? So I've watched dash cam where bad guys are trying to shoot guys, and the only thing they're worried about is that the front-facing chest, it's 2D, right? Mm-hmm. And they'll look for it, right? Yeah. Well, a combat accurate error is actually three-dimensional, so it applies on the side to the back, right, at different angles, mm-hmm. right? So by teaching people about combat accuracy, balance of speed and precision, now that helps their, their mind go, okay, I don't have to suit a dying size group, right? Right. I need to put as many wound paths in the high center chest as possible because that's what stops bad guys not bullets on top of bullets it's the amount of wound pass in the high center chest that does the damage hmm. let me ask you this is there is there a is there a point where pulling the trigger isn't even like a worthwhile option like for example you know i can i can see if you if you're running away and you're trying to you know um if you're trying to basically like the run and gun mode you know somebody's behind you and i think this might oftentimes come out of panic. You know, you're just kind of like running and shooting in the general direction. And it and it may maybe not get somebody to run away because you're running away from them. So maybe they don't feel like the threat's getting closer to them or whatever. But obviously your range, your rounds probably aren't going to hit a damn thing. It right. might it might scare them away. But my fear of that is you just blew through a clip, you know, through through a magazine I always get – I'm a military guy, so anytime I use the word clip, everybody comes down on me in the damn forums. But you blow through, you blow through a magazine, and, and most people aren't even carrying like a second magazine with them. So all of a sudden, 
now you're out of ammo and hopefully you can keep running and hopefully the guy wasn't running after you anyway. But is there a point where it's like, don't even bother trying to pull the trigger and shoot on the move, even though you're, you're in danger or. Um, I think, how can I answer this? I'm not going to be too harsh, but I am going to be harsh. If you can't see it, you shouldn't be shooting at it. Good point. Right. There's now here's the deal. What we fail at in, Oh man, it, it it bugs me sometimes when we get it all out. It's okay. Yeah, we, this is this well, is therapy for us. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, you know I'm, I'm pretty passionate about this stuff, so forgive me if if I get you know if I get a little passionate on you. But here's the deal: in situation, what we have to understand as as gun owners, right, and as for those that carry concealed that could possibly use their firearm in public, there's an aftermath, and in that aftermath of a shooting. You're going to have to answer to somebody, whether it's the police at the beginning or the court. So what I try to teach my students all the time is you're accountable for every round that mm-hmm. comes out of that out of that um, firearm. Yeah, and you better be able to articulate why each round went to where it went. So if you're just running and gunning because you think, oh, I'm going to shoot and the bad guy's going to go away, where is that round going? Yeah. And how you're going to explain to the parents of that four-year-old that has a bullet in their back, <laughs> like, how are you going to explain that? Yeah, exactly. So we, we always, and this is, once, once again, why I'm not a big fan of shooting while moving or shooting while sprinting. Yeah. Right? Shooting in motion is a little bit different because as I'm, my hips are turned away, I'm still facing the bad guy. And the bad guy is still in the in that plausible distance because he's coming at me with a contact threat. Yeah. Now, if the bad guy has a gun, me running away from the bad guy is not going to make me any safer because bullets travel. Yeah. So my best bet is to get off the line of attack as quick as I can and make him shift. Right. Right? By making him shift, he's probably going to swing. And the science behind it is swinging – if if you're swinging the gun, right, this is why I'm not a fan of uh, drills where you're swinging the gun to the next target, because nine times out of ten, you're going to overshoot the target and you're going to have to come back. Because of the momentum of you, of of you moment, swinging. Exactly. There's no yeah. biomechanical lock to swinging your arms to the left or right. Mm-hmm. So if I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, get off the line of attack and drive out and shoot, there there's very little movement there, right, for me. Right. So because we're accountable for our shots, because, you know, there's a whole lot going on here. So we have to be as sensible as possible, right? Yeah, that's well said. I think that's um, I think that's a really good point. If you can't if you don't see it, don't shoot at it. No. Yeah. There's yeah. no reason. You, you cannot articulate that in court. Yeah, there's right. no way you're going to get away with that. Yeah. You know, I, I can remember, and that was something that I learned. Actually, I was doing uh, while I was training, and we had, uh, I'll, I'll never forget the guy. I remember his face, and he was a, a former SEAL, and we were doing CQB training. And uh, I remember we were doing force on force, so we had uh, simunition rounds. You know, it was chaos, right? Mm-hmm. I remember at one point, I was a younger kid then, I remember at one point, instead of me you know, I was at a corner, and I guess out of fear, you know, and, and TV, I just reached my gun around the corner and started shooting. 
He nearly took my head off, man. I, I, that was a bad day for me. He was like, what are you doing? And he, I, he wanted, I know he wanted to punch me in the throat, right? Yeah. I know he wanted to. He was like, one, you just wasted all that ammo, right? Number two, what are you hitting? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I, I'm never a fan of, of shooting without looking at where the rounds are going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, um, we always try to leave our listeners with some sort of a drill that they can do to master a skill that we've been talking about. And I'm a, I'm a big, big fan of, of dry fire techniques and being able to, you know, especially if you're talking about like actual, like even tactical ranges where you're doing live fire, it gets pretty dangerous if you have somebody sprinting and oops, I fell and oh, there we've got a casualty of training. So there's, you're really always limited based, based upon safety. So, um, and this is probably, you know, this is probably because because shooting on the move is such a dynamic drill. This is one where I think dry fire and stuff can really help out. So, um, can you lay out a simple like at home training drill that someone can do either with or without a partner that will help them improve their ability to shoot in motion or in, in, include movement in the dynamics of of their target engagement? Absolutely. Um, I, I, I'm going to plug this right quick, so forgive me, but I think it's important. Um, the shooting in motion drill, as we teach it, is, is very unique to combat-focused shooting instructors. So there's combat-focused shooting instructors all over the country. Mm-hmm. So if you really want to do it live and, and learn that drill, like I said, I'll, I'll send you a link for a video. But if you really want to experience it live, um, then, you know, you want to get to a combat-focused shooting course. Now, at home, the most important thing I think people can do is work on integrating lateral movement while they're presenting their firearm and getting it to a shooting position. And that's something you can do with, uh, when I first learned it 10 years ago, roughly, um, I spent a lot of time in the house with a training gun, right? So a rubber gun, uh, cert pistols are good. Yeah. You know, if you want to get the cert pistols. Um, and starting out, you want to start out with the gun in the outside the waistband holster. Right, and then as you get more proficient, then you can go to concealed carry, right, and then put garments over it. But just to learn the movement. So basically, what's going to happen is you're going to go through your presentation. So grip straight up out of the holster, orient the muzzle towards the threat, extend, touch, and press. So you're going to notionally extend, touch, and press, right, on a rubber weapon. Mm-hmm. Now, once you get comfortable with that, now you're going to integrate lateral movement. Lateral movement is one body width to the left or right, right? Um, realistic lateral movement, there's going to be a turning of the hips, and then you're going to step, you know, take a big step over. Um, if you don't have a lot of – it's also um, it's also important to do it in enclosed spaces. So your lateral movement may be a push step drag to the left or right, and you might bump into the wall, but that's okay, right? Mm-hmm. So you initiate the lateral movement as you're going for your grip. Does that make sense? So if I'm standing there, I'm like, oh, I recognize a threat. As I'm going for my grip, I'm going to start initiating that lateral movement. I'm going to move until the gun is fully extended and in parallel with my line of sight. At that point, I can stop. So you're saying continue to move. So are you just are you just going one body width, which you know you're looking at? Are you talking about like like three feet or so? Yep. Okay. So minimum one body width. Okay. And you can extend that out, right? So if I'm in like my backyard, 
Like now I can go, okay, I recognize the threat. And then as I'm going for my training weapon, I can take, you know, four, five, or six steps. Okay. I can start imagining, okay, well, I'm getting for cover, right? Right. So you can kind of play with it. But in the beginning, you just want to do it one body width to the left or right, right? And if you're in the house, I would practice it doing it in a narrow hallway, uh, practice it in the kitchen, because then, you know, we talked earlier about the environment. What if you bump into stuff, right? Well, people panic when they haven't when when they haven't done something. They're not exposed to it, right? Yeah, so if right. you never practice this way, and you present your gun and you run to bump into something, then you're like, "Oh, what's that?" You don't need to be thinking, "Oh, what's that?" You need to be dealing with the problem. Does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah. now, as I'm practicing this, like I'm in my office right now, and I'm kind of running through it, and oh, I bump into my chair. Eh, no big deal, right? I finish up. Yeah. So that's an easy way, you know, that you can, and that's probably the most, um, I find that once people get familiar and get exposure to movement, getting off the X with dynamic movement while presenting, then everything else tends to come, you know, come a little bit easier. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So there's, and there's actually lots of add-on dynamics to that. So there's the presentation, like just being able to get your gun into you know, just working on movement, um, open spaces, closed spaces, be able to just get to your gun and get it into operation. And then from there, um, you know, what I like is movement even just throughout your house. Like understanding, like you hit the, like you say, you hit the wall. Okay, now what? You could hit the wall and you could be totally exposed if any shooter were in your living room. And you can think of it like almost like a pinball machine. Like, oh, I hit an obstacle. It's a wall. I can't go through the wall. So, you know, what else can I get behind? What else can, should I, where should I be moving from here? Yeah. Like there's the, there's the kitchen counter. I can't go left anymore. There's a wall there. If the target that I'm looking at is, you know, still in, you know, if I go, so maybe I go down low and I move toward um, not just concealment, but I get to cover and be able to engage from there. So I think if people look at their homes a little bit differently, like move around the home with a drawn weapon, it shows you where your different fields of fire may be, where your areas of exposure might be, where you're in a, you know, you're where you have the advantage, where you're at a disadvantage. And it kind of gives you a different perspective, especially when it comes to like a home defense scenario of, of where your safer spots might be, especially if it is a, you know, a movement situation. Like how quickly can you, can you move to your safe room from different places of your home and how exposed are you in the process? Yes. Uh, I think that's very valid. Um, something, you know, that uh, there's two ways to do it, right? So, and I recommend both ways. One is to actually do it, right, with a training weapon, move around the house, you know, feel how it is to, you know, and, and also do it in low light situations, right? Because nine times out of 10, or but let's say, you know, 80% of the time, right. if you're going to be transiting through your house with a gun in a real situation. It's you're not going to have all the lights on. Right. Right. It kind of goes back when I got to my, I joined the Navy back in 1993, 1994, went to my first ship. And when I first checked in, the first thing they had me do, and I was on a carrier on an aircraft carrier, big ship. Mm -hmm. And my birthing area was second deck, third on the fourth deck. So what they did was, First thing we had to do as soon as we got into birthing was egress. They shut off all the lights or they blindfold you, and now you have to get from where you are to the second deck. 
Yeah. Right? So, you know, <laughs> throw that with a firearm in your hand. These are, you know, simple <laughs> and easy things to do. Yeah. And by doing these things, you get more comfortable. I think a lot of mishaps occur with firearms due to the lack of comfort. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So even with the training gun, you can work, okay, I'm moving, I'm moving around, I have the gun in a, high, in a ready position, um, okay, if I move here, what's the, oh, I bump into this, okay, it's, it's okay, I'm not going to, you know, explode because I bumped into something. I can still deal with the problem. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Omari, uh, this is great, man. Like way over delivered on this. <laughs> this oh, is, thank you. Thank this, you. This is going to be like uh, you know twenty twenty five minutes or so, and we're working on an hour now. So you just unloaded a whole bunch of whole bunch of really good uh, good stuff there. So I really appreciate it. Oh man, um, I really love doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, everybody. Um, as you can see, there's there's a lot to this, and there's a lot to just combat focused shooting in general. We've only touched on one aspect of it, and Omari's program. Uh, it, you know, it's really, ba I mean, as you can tell, it's based upon realism and what you're really going to encounter in a real life or death gunfight. And so I highly recommend go over and check out his website, check out the training that he has, see when he's got some courses coming up and see all everything that he's got available there. Um, you can find them online at www.10xdefense.com. So really great stuff over there. And until our next Modern Combat and Survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying train hard, stay safe. Prepare now. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. <laughs>